We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo with me here today as well. It's been a, been a minute since we've been together. We've had schedule issues. Martin had a technical issue, but we're all good. Everybody's back, ready to roll here on uh, the first Thursday in February. So thank you for making us a part of your week. We appreciate it. Um, I'll tell you before I hand it over to Martin, let him tell you what's going on at Pinnacle, including some big news at Pinnacle. I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's really that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you, 662 257 1900. Martin, welcome into the show. Glad to have you here. Good to talk to you. Tell us what's going on at uh, Pinnacle. Oh, man, we've got some, um, you know, there's, we've, we've been talking about a lot of the, um, you know, changes we've been making here with, you know, our new custodian trying to update our technology and whatnot. And, and um, we can, we can publicly talk about some other really, really awesome news here. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that that has really been kind of cool through this whole process is, uh, you know, as we were updating our technology, as we were you know changing our our platform, was we knew that the whole time there was a desire for you know the first generation who started Pinnacle, you know, Stacy and um, and Beth and a couple of others uh, that were instrumental in in this organization, even you know coming into fruition um you know they're they are all um getting closer to retirement and there was always the you know they knew at some point they were going to have to have a a liquidity event whether they sold to you know an external partner or they sold internally and and it was always you know their desire to sell 
the business internally to the advisors, to everyone who's, who's continuing the legacy at Pinnacle. And so <clears throat> at the end of December, um, the board, which this has been going, this negotiating piece and trying to get everything figured out and lined up has been going on for, for a long time and talks have been happening for years. Um, but we finally in December, uh, the board approved and the shareholders approved uh, a sale of, of Pinnacle Wealth um, to us, to the to me, to to Reed Davis, to Chris Dockery, um, and to you know, and to others that that work you know here at Pinnacle. And so we're really excited about about that. the The hardest thing through all of this was kind of lining up the the financing piece because um you know it's 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 the largest piece of debt that I will probably have in, you know, in, in my lifetime. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, the banks, uh, a lot of times banks get a real, get a little skittish, uh, when you start talking about, you know, more than just a couple of zeros and, uh, you know, and I don't have a, uh, a physical house or something that they can collateralize. So that was, I think that was the hardest part of all this was, you know, figuring out the financing. So anyway, I know I'm getting into a lot of details, but I think it's, you know, it's worthy to talk about too. Um, you know, we thought that this was going to kind of happen with, you know, over a course of five years where we would buy half now, you know, get that debt paid off and then, you know, and then buy the other half, um, you know, for, you know, five years or so down the road. And, uh, it's kind of funny. One of our, one of our board members who was, you know, one of the founders here too, uh, he asked me, this is a couple months ago. He's like, man, what's the chances of you guys getting this done in just one, one shot. And I was like, man, I, cause I'd been only thinking about, I, you know, I can't get it all from one place. So, um, and it's kind of weird how sometimes, you know, and I'm not going to get all like, you know, spiritual and metaphysical in this, but sometimes it's like when you're trying to do something right or do the right thing, it's just like the stars kind of align for you and things just work out. So, um, one of the, one of the partners that we've been trying to lock down for our clients is, uh, a trust partner. So someone who can help handle the corporate trustee work that, you know, a lot of our clients currently have, or several of our clients currently have. And then, you know, our future clients who have written us into their trusts, into their wills so that we can continue, you know, to serve them. Um, so that partner, uh, they're a group out of Ruston, Louisiana. I know that Hell that's yeah. gonna make you real happy, Neil. Absolutely. Go Bearcats. Um <laughs> Go Bearcats. Uh and they're all LaTeX uh graduates too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um so Are they Ruston they, High graduates? What's that? Are they Ruston High graduates? No. Um oh, that's too bad. So I think the CEO is from uh just south of Shreveport and he told me the town and i like houghton i think it's like mansdale or mansville or something oh yeah like yeah mansville um but anyway great group of people and when they were doing their due diligence on us and the, you know and the and the trusts to make sure that you know it was that everything was in good order you know i kind of i built a relationship with them and you know now as you talk to people when you're going through things and this guy has done you know, so he runs a firm called Argent Financial Group. They're, you know, based in Ruston, Louisiana. They have, man, they're in like 12 states. They have 30 offices. They're huge, like $35 billion firm, you know, $35 billion in assets under management um, firm. And we are, you know, we are uh, 
you know, right at half a billion. So they are literally, you know, 70 times our size and they've done, you know, 17 or 18 transactions. So this is like, although this was my first rodeo in a transaction, this was not his first rodeo. And so I just asked him, I was like, man, um, it's like, can I ask you some, some questions about transactions that you've done in the past? And he's a really, uh, a really good guy. And, you know, I mean, he's the CEO of this huge firm and he gave me, you know, his minutes to kind of help troubleshoot stuff with me too. And I said, how did you ever run into these issues? And he said, yep. I was like, well, what did you do? And he's like, man, you just got to get creative. And, and I was like, okay, so, and that's not a problem for me. I can get creative. And, um, you know, a little bit of time goes past and we're meeting again, talking about other stuff. And he asked, he said, you know, would you guys be willing to, you know, do some of the financing through us? And I looked at him and I was like, well, first of all, I didn't even think that that was on the table. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, having a partnership with someone that we are already going to have a partnership with helping serve our clients made sense. So we, we just kind of started talking I man, I had no idea that that was going to line up. And so they came in and, and are actually providing the, the final bit of, of financing that I could not get lined up, um, you know, through, through just normal banks. Um, and I guess I could have gone to multiple banks, but so now I have, you know, one note, one debt, and then they've, they've come in with some equity financing. So, man, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's funny. Our, our board member was like, any possibility you can get this done in one shot. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea. But I was, but I said, yes. <laughs> and then, um, and then man, it just kind of like the stars just lined up, man, everything, the universe conspired to help me. And, uh, so, so man, we have, we have an agreement. We have, everybody's happy. You know, I mean, the, our shareholders from, from our former shareholders from Pinnacle are, are getting a, you know, a, a really good price and getting a liquidity event. Like we're excited because we get to, you know, have a ownership stake in something we've helped build over the last couple of, you know, of, well, I say years. I mean, it's been years, not just last couple of years, but very specifically in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, lots of exciting stuff that's going on for us. You know, Stacy is, um, he's going to hang around for a little while to help us, you know, transition, um, you know, with, with clients and, you know, if there's phone calls that come in and stuff like that, he's going to, he's going to help us with that too. So, uh, man, it's kind of a, a, it's a, it's a, I don't know, you don't see the win, win, wins very often. Um, but it is something that, you know, we feel, we feel really good about where we're excited about. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of what's been brewing behind the scenes for me for the last six months has been, I mean, I've got a, you know, next time I see you, Neil, I'll probably look a lot more gray than, than the last time I saw you. <laughs> and, uh, but dude, a lot of that has been, you know, I kind of worried about, gosh, is this, am I, am I going to be able to pull this off? You know, I've got team members that are counting on a, on me to pull this thing off. And while, you know, while we all own it, I'm the one responsible for getting us to the finish line. Um, so dude, that's, uh, we're, we are kind of, we are kind of rounding, we've rounded third base, man. And, um, and it's, it's really cool. It's really exciting. I mean, you know, Stacy and them built this thing 25 years ago, almost to the date. I mean, f the beginning of February is the 25th anniversary of, of Pinnacle Trust. And, um, you know, and so we hope to carry it for the next 25 years, man. And, and, you know, and, and the new entity with Pinnacle Wealth and, and, uh, you know, and take care of folks and, and serve people. So, uh, I know I spent that my whole little 
take talking about me and what's been going on, but man, we're just, um, it almost doesn't even feel real either. It's like, it's almost feels like it's a dream. And at some point I'm going to wake up and, and I'm going to be at my job that I had like in 2006 where I was just data entry into, (laughs) you know, into Excel spreadsheets and, and going, Oh my God, is this what life looks like? But, um, it's exciting, man. Well, congratulations. First and foremost, I know you put a lot of work into it. You couldn't talk about it a lot, but I know there was a ton of work and happy for you. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, I know it's, it feels, it feels different too. Cause it's like, now I'm like, Oh my God, I'm responsible for, you know, other people's lives and livelihood other than just my own. <laughs> but I'm sure that's a lot of the stress that Stacy felt, you know, for a long time too. And now he gets to, uh, you know, kind of watch his kids. It's, you know, I say his kids, his business kids have grown up and kind of get to watch them, us, uh, you know, take what, take what he built and carry on the legacy. Um, we hadn't talked in a while, like you mentioned. Yeah. There's been a, lot, a, a lot of stuff going on. Yep. I had computer problems last week <laughs> that I thought was going to be a quick fix. We were, not. we were talking before the show briefly about the whole Spotify Joe Rogan thing. And you brought up yep. something that I had not even thought about, which is Spotify is kind of taking a hit in the market. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of, sometimes there's people trade based on, you know, emotions and fear and not looking at, you know, the value of a, of a business. And I think that, you know, that can be pretty evident, you know, today with looking at, you know, at Spotify, because, you know, I don't know yesterday, let me just look real quick before I, I open my mouth and insert my, my foot. So well, if you look at the Dow yeah. and everything, Dow, S&P 500, NASDAQ, Russell 2000, everything, everything is red today. It's like, ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've, and I mean, and it's been a yo-yo with, with the markets, you know, we had, volatility has just returned and, 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 and truth be told, and and I'll circle back to Spotify truth be told. And this isn't the first time I've said it on the show. And, and, um, it's probably been a minute since I've said it though, is that volatility is actually normal. And we have just been in such an, an abnormal and I'm going to, and even before COVID. So pre COVID, we have been in such an abnormal market environment where there was almost no volatility and stocks just went up and, and that's just not, that's not normal. And, you know, we're kind of getting back into what realistically is normal market environments where you have, you know, kind of swings day to day, you have, you know, a couple points or a couple percent swings up and down. And, and it's kind of like you get to the end of the month and you had this yo-yo, but you went, you went nowhere. And uh, we're kind of experiencing that, you know, right now. And we've had some up days, and then, you know, kind of. I think a lot of the 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 impact today, with you know, especially the Nasdaq, um, has been, you know, Facebook or Meta, as they're now known. You know, had a pretty big miss in their earnings, and um, you know, I know their ad revenues are down. Um, their your their user daily average is kind of been stagnant, um, you know, and they're not really growing with new users because, 
you think about, you know, you and I, and I know you're not a real big social media dude, you know, other than all the crap you get on Twitter, but like you and I are kind of in that Facebook generation, right? Where it's like Facebook is our primary, you know, social media outlet. I know, you know, some folks use Twitter too, but I'm, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not, um, I oh, you're don't, not? I don't, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch TikTok. It, so. I've never done a TikTok, but I've got an account and I'll watch TikTok sometimes cause they're funny. See, I, I, people will send me TikToks that are, that I'll, I'll watch that are, that are funny, but like, I'm not using it on a regular basis. Like, I'm not their, I'm, and we're not their target, target audience either. No, we're not. We are not the TikTok demo. <laughs> no. And we're not snaps, you know, Snapchat's target audience. I've never either. done so, Snapchat. My wife Dude, does Snapchat and the girls do Snapchat with her, but I've never done yes. it. A hundred percent. And that's Jen. Jen does the Snapchat stuff. She understands it, which I'm cool with. Cause then she can kind of be the, you know, the quote unquote hall monitor for our house with Snapchat. But I kind of understand Snapchat at a really high level that, and it may have changed since then. But if, if it's, if it's the way that I understood it, where you can send pictures that essentially disappear, there's a hundred fifty percent chance that as a high school dude, I would have totally used Snapchat in inappropriate ways. Hundred hundred fifty percent chance. Oh yeah, them. yeah, for sure. And I may not have been sending pics of me, but you know, there's I would I would have not used that appropriately. Um, so anyway, as an as an adult male, like I need to to just leave that thing alone anyway because I'll end up getting myself into trouble doing something that I'm not even trying to do or mean to do or being stupid and, and just stay away from it. So anywho, but you know, like rolling back to just the, with Facebook and the meta, the miss on earnings, you know, they're just not, uh, they're not growing like the other social media outlets are growing. And then, and they've even changed kind of their focus to this, you know, to the metaverse. They're not even, you know, full in on spending their time, resources and energy you know, at Facebook, but Facebook is what brought meta down circle back to Spotify. You know, there is kind of the, you know, in rising tides, all ships rise and falling tides, you know, all ships fall thing going on, but the NASDAQ, um, do you have, I don't, do you have what it is down right now in front of you? Uh, yeah. Uh, the NASDAQ is down 328.41, which is 2.28%. Okay. So it's down, it's down, call it two and a quarter percent. Okay. And if you look at Spotify, um, I know before we started, it was down like 14 or 15%, you know, today. Uh, and it's probably bounced around some since then, um, since we've started talking. But, you know, with the NASDAQ down two and a quarter, Spotify down, let's just say 15 just for sake of argument. It's what 10:34 a.m. on Thursday, February 3rd. There I time stamped us. Um, you know, let's let's just say for all intents and purposes it's down 15%. Well, you know, I'll just say that the Nasdaq maybe the market has 2% of that down 15. The other 13 is related to you know, kind of the fear um, around Joe the Joe Rogan stuff and I I will say on the front end I have not continued to follow the Joe Rogan stuff. So I don't, I know at a high level what's going on, you know, there's people, artists saying they're coming off of Spotify because Joe Rogan is on there and he's spreading misinformation. That's about the, 
the level of detail that I know about this. But, but that's the nut graph. Um, that, that's that's basically what's happened. Cool. And I'm and I'm not saying Joe Rogan is right or wrong. I'm just saying that's that's the headlines that I've read. So you get a lot of fear selling around, you know, when there's news like that. But you know, and you and I can probably, and you're probably a a, a, a better position to have this conversation, you know, than I am because you have a huge, you know, podcasting following, and you've built you know, a really good, uh, network of podcasts of shows, um, you know, that, that you do. So I can't imagine that Spotify, and I have no idea how much money they spent on Joe Rogan to get his, his, his deal is, his deal is worth a hundred million dollars. (laughs) All right. So they are, I mean, well, I can't, I can't, I mean, you, you understand, you have to if understand I was something running about Spotify and I paid Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars and I have Neil Young saying, I'm pulling my music from Spotify because Joe Rogan's on there. I would just be like, Neil Young, dude, see you later. Of you course. Had a great career. You're beyond your prime. And Joe Rogan makes me a lot of money. I love you. I love your music. Peace out. Yeah. Rogan go wherever you want to go, but Rogan gets a year. crowd. Rogan gets, gets a crowd, if you will, on Spotify that major media entities can't get. Yeah. And and, and, and those, those are people, people aren't leaving. No, because those are people that, that, that go to Spotify. Because his shows are like long, aren't they? Uh, I, and I haven't ever listened to the Rogan shows. And it's not because I don't like him, dude. I just well, it's, it's well it, I just it, haven't listened. So that was my point. So right, it's his shows are typically three hours. Yeah. Okay. Um if you have a so Spotify like you're committed well, if you're yeah, if, listening. You, if you have a spot well, yeah, so so if you have a Spotify subscription, you get it ad free. Um if you if you don't have a Spotify subscription, you, you hear the ads. Most people don't pay for a subscription, so most people are hearing the ads. Um advertisers pay a premium for his audience. Um and then look, his shows are, they're, they're all over the place, right? I mean, like, they, um, like, I'll pull up his last few. I, I like Rogan. Um, always have. But I don't listen to every show. It's it's the funny part about Rogan to me um, with people. Like, he has a show out uh, earlier with uh, with. Valentine Thomas, who's a former attorney and financier turned freediver, spearfisher, chef, and author. He's got a show. He does a lot of MMA stuff. Uh, Juliana Pena, um, he did a, a show with Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist and the author of several best-selling books. Uh, Dr. Robert Epstein, author, professor, senior research psych- psychologist at American Institute for Behavioral, something that was two hours and 41 minutes. Um, he, he, he does, he does a lot of like, uh, online personal training kind of stuff. There's there's lots of different things. The thing about Rogan to me that has always been interesting with people that get upset about him is you have to understand that people go out and seek that you have to go find it. You have to go log into Spotify or pull it up on your phone. You have to, uh, go to the, the Joe Rogan experience. Then you have to pick which podcast you want to listen to, and you have to hit play. It's not like sitting on your recliner with a remote in your hand, 
flipping around going, let's see what CNN's talking about now. Nope, that doesn't do it for me. Let me flip over to MSNBC. Nope, let's see what Fox. No, this is, you're seeking this out. And so when you see him get an audience like that, the message that is very clearly sent to Spotify is, whoa, this is a, this is an institution. This guy has a loyal following. Well, I can tell you from being in the podcast business that if you have a loyal following, they will not only follow you, they will absolutely, beyond a shadow of any doubt, they will try your advertisers. So when you are, I think one of his big ones is the uh, the greens, The uh, I can't think of the name of it, but which proves that I'm a guy right now. Uh, I'd have to go back and listen to it. Go, hey, what's that greens thing? That's that's how that works. There, I guarantee you, they have like they have a promo code. You know, go to whatever it is, greens dot com promo code Ro- Rogan. Right, I guarantee that's you, how they track all their stuff. Yeah, I guarantee you, man that that they've made so much money um, on his show, and because he uses their their product, and he's a you know he's a real fit guy, he's bodybuilder, you know, trained by day, Rogan by night, all day. You know, all that stuff. That's his thing. And um, it works. And that's what it, it, it's it got to be driving some of these other people crazy who are. But Rogan, to me, and not to get off on that, because I want to stay on the financial part of it, because I think it's fascinating. Rogan, to me, has always been interesting because I've never listened to Rogan and thought, this guy's an expert. In fact, one of the things that I think most people who are like me who like Rogan, one of the things we like about Rogan is that he will openly tell you, hey, I don't, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but he gets people on who are, and then he grills them. And so to me, this whole scandal, in quotes, is outrageous. And frankly, it's made me more suspicious of the people who want him censored. Because frankly, if Anthony Fauci wanted to reach the people who are vaccine resistant, the people who are, quote, done with COVID, the people who, like me, are like, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. I will not do it. I will not go into a store that requires a mask. You're free to require a mask. I'm not wearing it. I think it's nonsensical. I think it's for your feelings, and I'm not going to do it. If I'm wrong, let's say for the sake of, of, of this argument that I'm wrong, that cloth masks absolutely save lives, Okay. If you're Anthony Fauci, you should be calling Rogan's people saying, when can I come on? When can I come on? Because I've got four hours burning a hole in my pocket, and I need to be on that show with Joe as soon as possible. He can ask me whatever questions he wants to ask. Let's get this done. And the Rogan people would be, oh, my God, yes. We will fly you down this evening, Dr. Fauci. We will put you up in the finest Austin hotel, Dr. Fauci. We will send a, a, a limo over to pick you up in the morning, Dr. Fauci. We will bring you in and serve you the coffee of your choice, sir. And we will be – actually, they'll serve the coffee that's advertised on their show. But we will, we, will, we will have you in, sir. We will give you a microphone. We will, make, we will set the temperature at your desired setting, and, and we will do this, sir. That hasn't happened, and the fact that it hasn't happened is because Fauci and his people don't want to be on that show. It's not because they haven't been invited. And so for people like me, we're like, that's kind of interesting. Because absolutely, Rogan's success has come from his, A, ability to interview anyone 
but B, more importantly, his ability to listen, his ability to get guests on the show, and and he allows them to talk, and then people like you and me or whoever is listening can determine for our own selves whether we think he or she is credible, not credible, or whether it inspires us to maybe do some research on our own. That's what's interesting to me. So that when the people just go, he's spewing disinformation. Number one, that just showed me that you've never listened to the show. And then number two, what are you hiding? What are you scared of? Because the fact that Anthony Fauci hasn't been on that show, yet Peter McCullough has, uh, Gupta has been on that show. He's had people on the show tells me that Fauci's been invited to be on that show. Fauci doesn't. Fauci's choosing not to be on that show. And if Fauci truly wanted to reach all of these people that he seems so upset about, that would be one of the big shows to go on. You'd go on that show. You would go on the uh, a show that I've never listened to, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. They have a show that replaced Rush Limbaugh on mainstream radio uh, to conservative voices. You would go on that show. They have a huge audience. They have Rush's old audience. You'd, you'd go on that show, but he doesn't go on that show. He goes on CNN and MSNBC, and he goes on uh, friendly media, if you will. And to me, that is suspicious. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I haven't, I haven't even thought it all out or through like that. But yeah, I track with that man. I track with that. It is, it is a little suspicious if, um, you know, if you if there's nothing to hide or there's no agenda or your everything is transparent and you're an open book, then it doesn't matter where you tell your story or tell what you think or tell, you know, your side. I, I would imagine he would want that opportunity. Interesting. Spotify fell a lot yesterday. Uh, so did Amazon. So did Twitter. So did Meta Platforms. Um, reading from the Wall Street Journal, um, major U.S. stock indexes tumbled on Thursday, dragged down by technology and social media companies as investors hammered shares of Facebook owner Meta Platforms after a disappointing earnings report. The tech-focused Nasdaq Composite Index slid 1.6% in morning trading. The broader S&P 500 fell one1 while the Dow Jones Industrial Average declined at 0.7%. Meta's stock price plunged 23% after the social media giant startled investors with a sharper-than-expected decline in profit and a gloomy outlook. Other social media companies sold off in its wake. Snap and Pinterest, which are due to report earnings later Thursday, slid 18% and 4.8% respectively. Twitter fell 3.8%. Several other techs, Tech stocks also slumped. Spotify technology fell 16% after the company declined to issue annual guidance, spooking investors. Amazon, which is also scheduled to report earnings later Thursday, dropped 6%. Thursday's tumble erased gains in the NASDAQ, threatened to resume a sell-off that battered U.S. stocks in the first few weeks of the year as the Federal Reserve has moved toward raising interest rates to combat inflation Investors have fled risky assets such as tech stocks, which had benefited from the low rates environment. The NASDAQ is down more than 10% so far this year, while the S&P 500 is down more than 5%. So, in other words, this is not just a reaction to Rogan. This is a more of a broad-based reaction in general. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I was saying. You know, if the NASDAQ was down 2 today and Spotify's down, you know, 16, then there's more to it than just the, you know, that the that 
tech stock tech stocks are selling off. But uh, I did not know the piece that you read about that Spotify did not release, you know, guidance, which, um, man, there's been there. No one released guidance in 2020 because no one had a clue what their earnings were going to be, you know, due to to covid. Um, It is kind of surprising that, you know, where we are now that that they wouldn't release any type of guidance because, you know, by this point, if, if you're selling ads, you kind of know, like, you know, are, are your, is your ad revenue going to be down? Um, you know, and I'm sure they probably measure other things in Spotify as well with, you know, subscriptions and, and stuff like that. But I would think that they would, they would know those things, uh, you know, and, and maybe some of it is, you know, is down slightly and, and that's why they don't want to release the guidance because they know it's going to be a, uh, you know, not a fun call, which can kind of spook folks, um, to say, Hey man, if they're not going to, re- you know, release early guidance on what they think that probably means it's not going to be very good. Um, you know, as far as the comment about, you know, investors being spooked on rates going up, man, that's, I think a lot of that is baked in already. It's like that story has, that ship has sailed. We know that that's, that that's coming. Um, you know, the only thing that there are some firms out there that are saying, Hey, there's going to be five to seven, rate hikes this year and i just i just don't see that um and i may be wrong uh, that typically you know, doesn't I've, I've happen in, in a, that doesn't happen typically in an election year people don't want that yeah i mean and i think we are going to get three or four this year i think they're going to be you know 25 basis points or, or a quarter of a percent 0.25 you know each each hike um and i think that i also think that the fed will I think for sure we're getting two, you know, probably one in March, um, you know, maybe one in like May or June or something like that. And then I think they're going to look and see, you know, what, what do we look like? And I think if we get, you know, if we get another, I think it'll be in the fall. And if we get a second, you know, a fourth one, not a second one, a fourth one, I think it'll be late, late year when, when that comes. But generally speaking, generally speaking, if the Fed is ending its, you know, it's easing policy. The Fed believes that the economy is strong enough to support itself on its own legs, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, and if GDP was revised up for fourth quarter, um, you know, recently, so that's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things that would make that happen, but it's just the end of easy money. And back to what you were reading earlier, the stocks that benefit the most from easy money are tech stocks, you know, that benefit from low interest rates, you know, your, your banks or your, you know, energy companies or utilities, um, you know, are generally going to do, are generally going to do pretty well when, when interest rates go up. So not that there's a, you know, that all markets are bad because interest rates are going up, but it certainly impacts others more so than, you know, the tech industry more so than, than, you know, the banking or financials industry. So you just got to be a smart about how you're allocating your money in your portfolio if you're doing it all by yourself. And, you know, if you've been in the NASDAQ or you're, you're holding, say, growth on them, you know, it might be a good time to, to start looking at shaving some of that out. You don't, you know, throw the whole thing out, but, you know, shaving some of that out for some value, you know, type 
um, type funds and things like that. So those are things that we do for our clients, you know, on their behalf. We did it. We were actually kind of early to the party. We did it last year, um, you know, early in the year, thinking that this was going to happen. You know, um, we were going to have some, uh, you know, inflation and things were going to going to happen a little faster and they just didn't play out, which, you know, we still had a good year, but um, we were just early to the party on, you know, on the reflation trade. What do you think happens? You said you don't think it's going to be multiple jumps this year. What do you think happens with interest rates, though? Do they go up a couple of times? What are you What are you sort of expecting? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stick with the camp of three to four times this year. Okay. Um, I think, again, I think we get one in probably March. Uh, probably get one in May or June. Uh, and then I think the Fed will kind of look to see the impact. Um, you know, is inflation getting in check? Are we starting to see some quote unquote deflation, um, you know, to the numbers, uh, to the inflation numbers? Um, and then, you know, I think it just depends on the shape of the economy for hike number three, you know, whether hike number three comes in the fall or whether hike number three comes in, you know, December. Um, you know, and I think if they, if they look at it in the summertime and say, you know, hey, uh, the economy's in good shape. We can handle it. Uh, we're starting to see inflation go, you know, um, slow down or kind of go the other way. Maybe they hike one more time. Maybe they hike two. But man, at some point, at some point, rates do have to return to, and I'll air quote this, you know, normal, whatever normal is. But normal is not 0%. You know, that's, that's not normal. And we've just gotten spoiled with it. It was just too easy to make money, you know, and for us, it's probably, this sounds awful, but it's probably a good thing, man, because a lot of people who have been doing it on their own because it's been easy to make it on their own, or they've been, you know, trading options in their other accounts or trading all kinds of other stuff. And they're getting, you know, bludgeoned or battered and beaten down, you know, at some point, maybe they go, gosh, this is not as easy as, as I thought it was, you know, maybe I should, talk to a professional and that's when you know us and the guys in our industry um you know it's good for us when things get nasty and ugly i mean you know when the tide's rising it's it's easy you know as they used to say a you know a monkey could throw a dart at a the stock page and pick a good stock we make our we're we're really good sailors because we learn how to sail in you know in rough choppy waters in the storm you know the the guys who came out in the sunshine with you know, a seven mile per hour constant wind learning how to sell, you know, they're going, when the storm comes, that's, that's when they get their lunch eaten. Here's an interesting story. Just kind of jumping around. This is oil though, which is in a lot of people's portfolios. I think you would agree. The end of the boom is in sight for America's fracking companies. I forgot to give the credit. This is Colin Eaton of the wall street journal. Mr. and Mrs. Eaton. This is a big day for Colin. Congrats, Colin. You made mine on my money. Less than three and a half years after the shale shale revolution, S-H-A-L-E. That's my Louisiana accent. Shale. Shale. Uh, After the shale revolution made the U.S. the world's largest oil producer, companies in the oil fields of Texas, New Mexico, and North Dakota have tapped many of their best wells. If the largest shale drillers kept their output roughly flat, as they have during the pandemic, 
Many could continue drilling profitable wells for a decade or two, according to a Wall Street Journal review of inventory data and analyses. If they boosted production 30% a year, the pre-pandemic growth rate in the Permian Basin, the country's biggest oil field, they would run out of prime drilling locations in just a few years. Shale companies once drilled rapidly in pursuit of breakneck growth. Now the industry has little choice but to keep running in place. Many are holding back on increasing production despite the highest oil prices in years and requests from the White House that they drill more. The limited inventory suggests that the era in which U.S. shale companies could quickly flood the world with oil is receding and that market power is shifting back to other producers, many overseas. Some investors and energy executives said concerns about inventory likely motivated a recent spate of acquisitions and will lead to even more consolidation. Some companies say concerns about inventories haven't factored into their decisions to keep output roughly flat. For several years before the pandemic, frustrated investors have pressured companies to slow production growth and return cash to shareholders rather than pump it back into drilling. Companies have promised to limit spending, though some executives recently said high prices signal a need for them to expand again this year. What are you what are you advising your people as it pertains to oil related stocks? Oh my woo, that's a that was a lot of words. Um we've been so we I, we put some of the energy names into our client portfolios. Um really it was during the pandemic and they bounced around and 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 again that was another time when when I was early to the dance, but I knew it was going to be good. So, uh, and we could be patient. So we got in at, you know, really, really low prices. And, you know, when we've seen a good run up, because I also knew that, you know, oil at $30 a barrel is just overdone. It's oversold. It's, it cannot stay that low, you know, that long because it's not, it's not sustainable. Um, and, and I've said, and you can quote me and I've, and I've, I've been consistent with this. I've said that, you know, realistically, um, when oil is somewhere in the 75 to $80 range, um, is when it's, you know, it's good for the oil companies. Uh, they're turning profits, they're employing people, they're, they're making money and it's good for shareholders because they're, you know, getting a dividend and, um, you know, and their investments are growing and then, you know, and it's, and it's not bad for us at the pump. Um, you know, that's kind of where oil hit, I mean, gas is in that, you know, call it 275 to, to $3 a gallon, you know, range. And, uh, while I, I very much enjoyed my dollar fifty a gallon, uh, you know, gas while, uh, during, during COVID like I, that, that's not sustainable or, or realistic long-term anyway, but Hey, I wasn't complaining when, um, when I was, when I was able to get it at that, at that price, but, you know, $3 a gallon is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's somewhat reasonable for, you know, most folks to, um, you know, for it not to kill you. And it's a, when it gets above $3 a gallon, I mean, it, that really does start to, to have big impacts in, in family budgets. And I mean, even approaching $3, you know, can be an impact into, you know, into family budgets. But, you know, it also slows down, you know, it's kind of funny how the price of gas, the price of oil is like the wet part of the ocean. I mean, it, it's everything. It affects and impacts everything, you know, from, 
cost of goods because transportation costs, you know, go up, um, you know, plastics are manufactured with, you know, petroleum. And there's just so many things that we use on a day-to-day, um, you know, are used day-to-day in our lives that have so much direct correlation to, to energy and oil prices. So, um, you know, I think long-term oil companies, energy companies are, uh, you know, an important part of, of people's portfolios. Um, to a lesser degree today than they used to be. I mean, the energy sector used to be one of the largest sectors in like the S and P 500. Um, and now it's, you know, it's not, it's one of the, it's one of the smallers cause there's been a lot of consolidation, um, you know, in that area, but you know, also in the Southeast, man, it's oil is really important for our economy in the Southeast because a lot of, you know, a lot of our people are residents and, you know, Mississippi and Louisiana, you know, they work in the oil patch, whether it's on rigs, you know, out in the, in the Gulf or land rigs, you know, in the Permian basin or in, you know, the Dakotas, um, that's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of families that are, that are really dependent on, you know, a very healthy, you know, energy sector. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, it's, it was a major topic in the t- last election. It's going to be a, a big topic in this election. I mean, whoever whoever runs, whoever gets the Republican nomination is going to talk about what's happened to the oil industry and make that a part of his or her campaign. No question. Probably from now until eternity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's important. You know, and, and the whole, and I love the idea of electric, man. Like, I just think the F-150 Lightning is so cool um but realistically like that that's never going to replace you know a petroleum-based cars uh you know it might electric may put a dent into you know the percentage of vehicles that are that are on the road but you know just kind of think about it from a step-by-step logical purpose i know where i live in jackson our electrical grid if everyone in my neighborhood had just one electric vehicle in their garage, or maybe even let's, let's go every other person in the neighborhood had one electric vehicle, you know, in their, in their garage, there's no way that the the infrastructure in Jackson is crumbling there. And it's so outdated and there's no way the electrical grid, I mean, they'd have to come in and completely redo the electrical grid you know, in Jackson, because when the wind blows, my power goes out, you know, and and at home. So um, I think that's, you know, maybe in larger cities, it's easier to do in a place like Jackson, Mississippi. I I think it's, you know, petroleum based cars are going to be the predominant vehicle driven. It ain't going away. I agree. Well, you know, my thoughts on this when the rest of the world is not doing it, (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, right. Yeah. Um all right, well we'll stop there. It's 45 minutes or so. We'll get back uh we'll get back into it next week. There'll be a lot of other things to catch up. We got some catching up to do. We know you, we owe you guys some shows. So we will get that taken care of as well. So Martin, again, congratulations on all of the developments there at Pinnacle and Appreciate um, you, man. We're excited. Yeah, you should be. So really cool. We'll be back uh, next Thursday with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Until then, for Martin, I'm Neil. Again, thanks for letting us be a part of your week. Take care.